0: I'm going to read a, a scripture, and just um, just keep playing there, Sean, until I'm done. The scripture, if you don't mind, um, it's a scripture of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit is speaking through Isaiah. Um, just do do me a favor as I'm reading this. Just um, just close your eyes. This is a safe place. We have paramedics somewhere. You guys some. um Close your eyes uh, as I read this passage to you. Um, nobody's going to steal your wallet. Um, God says but but Isaiah says But now this is what the Lord says He cr- who created you Jacob He who formed you Israel Do not fear For I have redeemed you I have summoned you by name You are mine When you pass through the waters I will be with you And when you pass through the rivers They will not sweep over you When you walk through the fire You will not be burned The flames will not set you ablaze. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I, even I am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew up the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget... The former things do not dwell on the past. Behold, God says, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Will you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's beautiful, isn't it? Thanks, Sean. Um. Today's topic is called new thing. There's that, that sentence, behold, God says, I will do a new thing. When God is saying, um, that he will do a new thing. I think another way that you could say that is I'm the only one God might be saying to you who can do a new thing as in a brand new thing from nothing. So every person who's like, Hey, I'm going to try something new. It's not. And it's not new in the way that God is speaking. So this is creator who spoke the world into existence, who made man from dust, but spoke dust into existence from nothing. Nothing in the world has ever come from, you know what I'm saying? You can make something, you can transform it, you can change it, but you can't bring it. It is already there. And when God is looking at your life, your future is a result of your past unless God intervenes and does a new thing that has, is nothing like the old thing. Right. Once a creator, always a creator. But the only creator, all the power of the enemy can do is mar and destroy and blacken and make sinful and hopeless. He cannot create anything. Only God can create. And I think um, as a church, as people that God loves, as sons and daughters of God, we lose hope because we're trying to get God to to knock the dents out of the bumper or to try to give us another paint job. We've been talking about minds and hearts and, and souls and desires, right? To try to like tweak the old when God is like, what a waste of time when I could just do something totally new. Why are you spending all of this time trying to, yes, you should behave well. Yes, you're going to have to be patient if that's not in your nature. But God's like, I actually want to change it. I want to change the nature into the nature of Christ. I understand uh, addictions. I understand that you might have an Achilles heel about something. But I want to speak hope to you that only God can create something new, completely new. And so I want to give you hope that this is not going to be the way that we are today. Is not going to be the way that we are tomorrow. If we get this word of God and bury it in our lives, and I'm going to show you the, the, the secret, I think, to because God has all of the power, but how do we actually get that in us? Right? Well, the first thing we got to stop doing is asking him to reuse and recycle us. In some way he does. He takes your old life, but he's not really just taking it and making another milk jug out of it. He's actually creating something totally new, like brand new. Yeah. Um, there's this aspect here though, that I, I want to spend a few minutes on that is a little bit alarming about this, this um, passage. Uh, and, and that is that he's talking, Isaiah is reflecting back on the time that Israel, um, remember Moses leads Israel out of Egypt, a nation of slaves, slavery for 400 plus years. He leads them out of Egypt and then they're kind of fleeing Pharaoh. But the path that they take is a very unusual uh, path. Um, They could have gone in a lot of different directions, but they end up against the Red Sea. Now I want to talk a little bit about this because there's an aspect of God here um, that you need as far as the creator, but you're not going to like this part because it's not going to describe God as the way that you want him described. Um, and that is this, is that, um, Israel was used as bait. So think about this of all the places that they could have gone. God leads them with the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire to, if you look at a map, the perfect trap. Pharaoh's army is coming. God knows that God still leads them to a place. And uses them as bait. It's like the perfect storm when they get there. Because they have no weapons and they have no army. Somebody here tonight feels like bait. What I mean by that is you feel like it's not just one thing that's crashing around you. It's multiple things it's multiple elements against you. On the one side, there's the sea. On the other side is Pharaoh's army. In the middle is a bunch of people that you don't like. It's like this cascading effect of like, you could keep it together if it was one thing, but it's not one thing. It's not one relationship. It's multiple. It's not this area. It's other areas. It's bleeding into more a struggle in one area affects other areas. You know, our human strength—we're like, hey, we can just keep it under wraps. Yeah, when you're 12, and then you're 18, and then you're in your 20s, and then you, other vices start adding in there, and then you realize, like, ooh. And I want to talk a little bit about, um, about that because there's this idea that a band of slaves is used as as bait. So let's talk about that slavery mindset a little bit because they couldn't enter the promised land with the slavery mindset because they get wiped out. Because however tough uh, Pharaoh is in escaping there, what they were facing was going to be much greater uh, because they were going into direct war and uh, were to take over the land. They weren't trying to go back and take over Egypt. And so this is when, like, it's not just one financial problem, it's multiple. It's not just, you know, it's not just one thing. Now, a, a slavery mindset affects everything in your life. I totally forgot to start this. Okay, we're good. Um, Let me say it like this. Slavery doesn't start quickly. It starts slowly. And can we just follow the path here of, and this this path of Israel is actually the path of your life as well. So what happens is um, they're saved by Joseph and his generation, 400 plus years before. Joseph brings them to Egypt. They get the best of the land, the land of Goshen. So Pharaoh favors them because Joseph has saved Pharaoh and his people and Egypt itself. Joseph has made, by the grace of God, Pharaoh extremely wealthy. Um, the nation of Israel or of uh, Egypt really comes into its own here. And so the Israelites, what was a struggle in Canaan while they were starving, now they are brought into a, a land that God gives them the best of. And now all of a sudden they have the favor of Pharaoh and of Joseph, somebody always looking out for them. So they don't really have to work all that hard because they already got the best of the land. So then in the best of the land, what happens is you start getting lazy and you start pursuing your pleasures in the land. And then when when it's not hard for the devil to enslave people who pursue pleasure, because people who pursue pleasure um, are not that resilient and not that strong because they no longer have to overcome much. So then slavery starts a little bit at a time like, hey, we'll threaten to remove the pleasure. We'll threaten to remove the house. We'll threaten to remove the. And slavery starts uh, slowly. Now, I was thinking about this the other day, and I was I was thinking, even if we can turn this nation around by the grace of God and the power of the spirit of the living God. What we need to be careful of, because what this church is not doing is a short term play. It is a long-term play. It is about our kids and their kids and their kids. What we have to do is if we win the war for the souls of the nation and morality returns and Christ returns to the nation, if, if war is gone, we have to make sure that our kids or their kids, we will go find a war to fight. Because when there's no war to fight, people will start pursuing their pleasures. I was reading in my devotions. Joshua, God is speaking to to Moses right before Joshua goes into the promised land. And he's like, it's predictable. This is what's going to happen. They're going to go into the promised land. Because, I mean, it's like they go into Egypt, they stop working, they stop being tough, and boom, pleasure. Going to the promised land, it's the same thing. God's like, within, by the time the elders that were elders in Joshua's time were dead, the next generation went right back and started serving the gods that they just overthrew because they were handed vineyards that they didn't plant. Cities they didn't build. And rather than, than fight more war or build something to the Lord that mattered, they started living in pursuit of their pleasures. And then they were trapped. And within one generation, they went back to serving the gods that the supreme God had already overthrown. Given them everything that they ever wanted. And you're like, well, if I, if God, if I ever got free of this, I would never go back. Absolutely, you will go back. It is human nature to go back and serve the lesser gods. Because they afford you more control. And I'm thinking, if, if we win in the next generation, we'll go find a war. We'll make one. We'll do something so that that next generation does not come up soft and they learn how to fight giants. Or the same cycle will just continue on and on. Every three or four generations. But eventually what happens when we pursue our pleasures is that we end up against the Red Sea. Now all the slaves are assembled in one spot. All of your addictions are in one spot. All your problems are in one spot. But also what's in one spot is all of your enemies. All of the armies of Pharaoh were in one spot. And this is what it can feel like when you come to church. Maybe the pressure of this kind of what I'm talking about drove you to church. Maybe it drove you here tonight. Is this idea that you are up against a red sea. You are up against it. And you feel like multiple things are happening on multiple fronts. But in a way God has used. He didn't make you slaves. You made you slaves. You stayed too long in Egypt. Canaan was your land. You made you slaves, but he's going to use it and your slave mentality by the grace of God to draw Pharaoh and to make you need a miracle. To make you have to have one or you're dead. Have to have one or it's not going to work out. Have to have one or your family's dead. So you have to have something from the hand of God that only the hand of God can supply so that you now become dependent on God again. Because they were dependent as they, as they saw, that they, they stopped being dependent on God, they pursued their own pleasures. Then they became dependent on Pharaoh to feed them. and became slaves. Can I ask you this? Why is this relationship in your life really failing? Catch this, maybe a slavery mindset is this. To a slave, everybody else looks like they have a whip. And when you're in that relationship and everything that they're doing is happening to you, it's a slavery mindset. You see yourself as a son or daughter of God. Or do you see yourself as a slave to, this is how I know it's a slavery mindset in me when I'm like, I can't because they. My, my tomorrow is negative, negatively effective and and God can't control it because of somebody. And God's like, you can't do what because of who? It's this idea that the other person is controlling your destiny. Son or daughter of God, who else can control your destiny but But if you're a slave, then entitlement is slavery. It's everybody else's job to serve me. Well, that makes you the master. That makes you God. It's a, a slavery mentality. Everybody else's job is to make my life easier. What if the easy path is the path that would get you back into your addiction and get you back into wasting people's lives and relationships? Can I talk about mental health a little bit? I was thinking about like depression and it's a slavery in your mind is what it is. It's a slave mentality. The word of God says, happy are those people whose God is the Lord. So can we say then, unhappy are those people whose God is anything else? We want happiness. Happy are those people. What is God not Lord of yet? Because happy, you'll be happy. This is what the word of God says. God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And we're in this place now where we're like, Okay, so what I really want God to do, because I don't really want to give up my thoughts, because I kind of like them. So I'd like God to tweak them and to just spread some icing on it. And God's like, I'm not spreading icing on it. That is disgusting. It's not cake. You can put all the icing on it you want. It's not cake. My thoughts are not your thoughts at all, God is saying. And we're like, okay, so we should like let some of God's thoughts and God's like, that is not really what I'm talking about. What if he could do something new? What if he could replace your ways with his ways altogether and not tweak our thoughts? You know, all the self-reliance and cheap tricks that used to keep you functioning might push you against the Red Sea too unless God does something new and something completely creative and something miraculous. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're all tricks that still leave you in charge. I'm saying some of those are good behavioral things and disciplines, but I'm like, they could just be tricks too so that you can still feel like you're in charge. When God is like, no, I'd rather own it, but if you want the new thing, or why are we fixing the bumper still? Why are we we're painting the same car? I have a new car. You're like, God's going to give me a new car? I'm <laughs> like, it's a, sloth makes us a slave. We're slaves to our own comfort. We're slaves to our own peace. There's a, a, a scripture. No, it's not scripture. It's somebody said, how you do anything is how you do everything. A friend of mine, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I'm like, okay, it's not Bible, but it kind of makes sense. Actually, if sloth, if you're a slave to sloth in one area, it's never one area. There's a bleed over effect into other areas. You can't make your life is not made of compartments. If your desk is a a mess, car, oh, don't go there, bathroom, oh, you wouldn't. I I would, because I'm not going to your bathroom. Hold on. If it's a mess, why do you think it stopped there? If you leave something on the floor and everybody has to walk past it and get stressed out, Can I just like push you a little bit? You're leaving pieces of emotions around that people got to walk around and stress them out too. And every time you walk past it, my dad was good for this. Pastor Richard's in Cuba right now. My dad's good for this. He's just like, if you walk past it, you know, it's this idea of like, you're going to feel guilty for not put it away. Deal with an issue, finish it, put it away. And just leave these like never ending issues. It's exhausting. The fight is exhausting. It's the same fight. Well, we need a new you, but sloth is a slave mentality. What your eyes look at, what your heart longs for, what your mind goes to. Are you disciplined and prioritized? Look to the practical things. You're a spirit, soul, body, but you're all in the same person. How about fling temptation morally it might be as simple as putting stuff away instead of leaving it out. What if that would help you flee temptation morally? What if exercising had to do with that? What if not constantly snacking had to do with that? Like just discipline, like no. The answer is no. No. And then when you want to feel something that's crazy, no. No. Don't. Sit. Stay. Instead, what we do is we're like, God, you sit and stay. You can't talk about this area of my life. God's like, I'm not the, I'm not. It's like that, uh, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Oh, he's safe. Oh, he's not a safe lion. Oh, my goodness. He's a lion lion. The lion of the tribe of Jews. He wants it all. Um, Ailish was uh, talking to me. My uh, second girl was talking to me, and she works um, at uh, Paul's clinic and um, a medical clinic. And she said, Dad, I've got these. Can I just, I'm just going to get to it. Dad, she says, I've got these um, sick and personal days she goes, "What what do I do with them like before the end of the year?" You know what I said? You work. She goes, "Okay." Like she didn't know like what are these for, right? And she doesn't know what they're for. And I'm like, "Oh, you work." She goes, "Okay." End of conversation. Know, some, some of y'all it's like, "Oh, I don't feel good. You're not feeling good right now if you have those days." You're thinking about next week like, "I'm probably not going to feel good right around Christmas time." You know, like I I feel something coming on. I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on. How you do anything is how you do everything. This idea of like, oh, let's bleed the company because I because God bless you with health. Or do you, did you want to be sick? You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, don't misuse the gifts and grace of God. Right. No, we work. That's what we do. You could work, but you don't. So now Pastor Aaron and I get to pay for you. You know what the Bible says? If a man shall not work, he shall not eat. Oh. How you do anything is how you do everything. What else are you not working in? Can I get people of God? If God is your father, he has a bar. That's like, you can live at this level. You want all the things, but I can't give you the things until we do the other things. How can he pour more? So this is what: if you can't handle $10, why are you praying for $100? Show God that you can do the $10. Um, here's, here's what, ready? If you can't handle the stuff and the time well, why are you asking God for people to be responsible for? You want to lose the people? The kids? The sloth, are you ready? And this is going to hurt, but you're going to be too lazy to do anything about it. <laughs> what are you going to do? Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. I was personally hurt by a pastor in town. See what I did there? Now you can't do it. (laughs) The sloth always asks for more. Always asks for more. You read the story of the, of the, when God gave five talents and then is it two talents and one talent and talent was a massive sum of money. He's like, hey, invest this for me. The landowner, it's a parable that Jesus told. The five and the two guys came back and they were like, hey, we worked hard. We doubled your money. The one guy's like, hey, I buried it in the ground because I was afraid of you. What? I knew you were a hard man. Then he starts getting personal at God. The sloth buries it in the ground because they won't take the risk because they have no courage. Because if you don't do anything, you can't fail in anything. But if you don't fail in anything, you can't do anything. And there's this idea that God is like, take it from this guy. And everybody in the audience is like, but he only has the one Take it from this guy and give it to the guy who's got 10 towns so that he can keep investing it. And they're like, that's not fair. And he's like to him who has more will be given. But from him who doesn't have even what he has will be taken away because he wouldn't invest it. He wouldn't, I am sick and tired of hearing like, I've got problems. I can't serve. I can't give you. You want to bury it and dig it up and see if it's the same problem you got to start helping people. You've got to start getting out of this victim slavery mindset. I'm always going to be a thing. I'm always going to be this. I'm always going to be addicted. No. You're a son or daughter of God. Why You think God in heaven is like, you're always going to be like that. I can't do anything about that. I mean, that's tough. <laughs> like your money problems? Oh, man, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Failing to enter the Lord's rest? Can I talk about the Sabbath day? Can I talk about your time in the house of God? A life devoted to your own pursuits is slavery. Now, if you've been gone from the house of God more than you've been here, can I just break it down for you? Out of like 720 or 30 hours in a month, the most devoted venue people are here on team night, two hours, six to eight on Saturday nights. Team night, maybe three services, or maybe small groups. So you're, now you're at like 15 hours, say 30 hours if you made it every chance that you could, maybe 30 hours out of 720 but if you're not here half the time, now you're at 15. Now you're at 2%, 2%. But you want all the stuff. And God's like, it's still, it, you're burying it in the ground. You are starving spiritually. A spiritual starvation, give it time, will start starving your moral strength and your right. re- fleeing temptation strength and you're resisting the devil strength. You're not strong. You're like malnourished and you're like, oh, I'm going to fight the devil. I'm like, oh, please don't fight the devil. Please don't pray for people. Like you're not spiritually strong. You're like delusional. Have you ever gotten that place? Like I, I'm a guy that I need to know that there's food. But if I start getting lightheaded, man, I'm just like, man, just everything's a now decision and it's angry, you know, and it's a little crazy. Can I just, I just want to push you a little bit. Then what happens is we get pushed up against the Red Sea. Then we get pushed out into the Red Sea. But we haven't spent time in the house of God and we haven't honored the Lord in His Sabbath. We've been pursuing our own pleasures. Then what we do is we throw the house of the Lord and the Sabbath overboard so that we float. But all those other things in that boat, A, they're not going anywhere, but B, they're going to sink you. They're worth sinking you. You can't throw out the flotation devices and hope that you're going to. It's just something God has been speaking to me. It's a common pattern in God's house is like, I really need something from God. I need something from the house. And then people come for like a month and God actually does something miraculous. And then they're like, that's great. We don't need this anymore. I got all these opportunities now. And then it's just a common cycle. Then you cycle back into the problem that got you there in the first place. I mean, God heavily invested in you. The house of God heavily invested in you. And it's like, boom, I'm out. Thanks, everybody. That's what I needed. Can I talk about maybe this? Maybe I should. Look, I'm hurting everybody else's feeling. Let's go after the lonely people. Um, <laughs> I think loneliness is a slavery mentality. I think it's a slavery mindset. Can I? Can I just here's just what I was feeling. Take it however you want to, but apply it. (laughs) Take it. If it hurts your feelings, basically just do it anyways. Think about it like this. Think about it like this. You're not alone because God, your father is there. So you can be with all the people in the world. You're still going to be lonely if you don't have him. So he's the only one that can fill a human soul. But imagine you're starting to date God and all you talk about is if he can introduce you to a man. Or a girl. Or if I had this person in my life, God, like, this is great. But if you could just introduce me to somebody new, I could be happy. I'm like, what better time to spend with the Lord than people who already got all the other stuff going on? Because then you, it's harder to spend time with the Lord with your first love. With the Lord Jesus, with your father in heaven. And I'm thinking... Don't call a curse down on yourself when God maybe is using it as a blessing. You're like, nobody understands how I feel. The Apostle Paul did, and he used to get whipped a lot. And he had to go home to nothing, to nobody, except the Lord. It made him strong. It's like going on a date with like the best date you could ever go on and being like, hey, do you have a friend? You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, Hey, you seem nice, but, you know, I was thinking. God's like, first things first. First love first. They can't do this for you. and You're going to spend the rest of your relationship trying to get them to do what only I can do. That was good. I like that. I think physical health can be slavery. Let me just explain why I think that. Because if physical health was the most important thing, Jesus' life was, like, the worst. The cross is not good for your health. It's kind of a one way ticket. And if physical health is it and you're trying to escape death, like it's still hovering right around 100%. You know why people do this though? Because they haven't tackled the real problem is that they are a slave to the fear of death. Son or daughter of God, you go to heaven, it will be the best moment of your life. You're going to leave behind sad people who will see you in heaven one day if they come to Venue Church and give their lives to Jesus. (laughs) I'm like, it will be the greatest joy, and you are trying to what? (laughs) What's all the wealth for? You? What's all the health for? You? Or is it for helping? Now, you live your lives according to words, that you've spoken over you or somebody has spoken over you. And I think that those words are where the slavery comes from. You're like, if I only made enough of this, then I could go on vacation this. Those that go on many vacations, the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those that wait upon the Lord. Vacations aren't bad. Those that wait upon the Lord. Those that sow, I am here waiting upon you, Lord, and your good pleasure. Do you run your vacations by the Lord? Or is it just like a, maybe he had work for you to do. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount over with wings. Maybe it's like if you'd have just pushed that off a couple of weeks. If you'd have just... Uh, pray about it. Get some counsel about it. You live the life that words created. Now one thing needs to happen. you got to stop saying your words. And you got to take them and put them in a box of things that you don't care about anymore. And then you have to open up the box of God's words. And I'll explain how we do that. Stop tweaking your words. Stop tweaking your words. Um... How do I say it like this? It's like a a trade. It's like a swap over. Venue teams are really good at this. So this I always say, like we might disagree behind closed doors, but when we go out, we're unified. And when we go out, even if it's not my idea, I will present it as if it was my idea because I don't care because all I want is the best way to reach people and God might speak through somebody else. And so I'll walk out over there and I'll be like, guys, I have this great idea. And Nassia will be like, it was my idea. It's always my idea. (laughs) I talked to everybody I knew into watching a TV show that she'd been ta- She mentioned a year before and I took the credit for it because I'm very humble and I don't care whose idea it was. If it's the winning idea, then it's my idea. So here's the thing. Your words aren't winning. So trade them for winning words. Put the losing words that keep you going back in the box of things that don't work and completely trade them for words. What does that look like? What does that look like? Where does this happen? Let's talk about that. It happens where God is. His house. Go to the basics. God's house. Reading your Bible. Praying. Worship. Well, I'm too busy to do that. Then keep losing. Keep saying these words and trying to tweak them. But it's always the same thing. It hasn't changed for millennia. It's always going to be the same thing. It works. So, Your job is not to create solutions for your problems. You ready? It is to find the problem in scripture and re-speak God's words over it. Does that make sense? Stop trying to fix your problems. Find the problem in scripture. Speak the words that God spoke. That's what will fix the problem. Not your words. You want a new marriage? Don't raise your hand. You want a marriage that is like a brand new thing? Find scriptures about marriage and speak them over your spouse. Speak them over yourself. Yes. Find the. I thank God that my wife, Pastor Aaron, has a huge problem with impatience. <laughs> Am I going to get away with that? <laughs> Feel like new people are like, oh, she does. I'm learning something new. Yeah. She's hugely impatient. Oh, yeah, totally. There's all sorts of stuff. If, if you went for that, there's all sorts of things that she's. Um, here's what I would say. Find scripture about how God changes hearts. But start with yours. I thank God that you're taking my heart of stone and giving me a heart after you. Give me a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone anymore. God, I pray that for my wife. She's a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Behold, I will do a new thing. God is saying, I will do a new thing over my marriage or my situation. You're speaking the word of God. You're speaking creative words that are creating something new. Stop with the, I'll always be, I am a new creation in Christ. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You start speaking creative words that is creating something absolutely new. You want purity? God, whatsoever things are pure and noble and true, and I am thinking about these things. I'm filling my heart with these things. You want your kids to turn out well? Find a psalm or proverb and pray it for them every day. My, my mom prayed Psalm chapter 1 over me. Blessed is the man who does not walk after the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the path of sinners, will not sit in the seat of the scoffer. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It kind of describes what God did. But would it have if she hadn't spoken it? My brother had a scripture too. jesus wept (laughs) okay i just had to do that i had to do it i had to do it i had to do it okay (laughs) take that ryan finally winning okay all right you just about get ready come on our worship team you want health bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Are you tired? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Now this is not a name it and claim it thing. This is not you naming something and claiming something. This is God naming something and you claiming that. It's God's words and you claiming God's words, not you making up your own words about what you want. And oh yeah, we've got to do a communion too. So this is what our our words have tended to do in the past is our words want to take the piece of the puzzle that we're dealing with and we want to remove the pain from it. We're trying to keep it intact. We're trying to keep it under control. We're trying to bring peace to that piece. God's words are more interested sometimes in getting pushed up against the Red Sea and the peace getting shattered because he's more interested in the mosaic that he could make out of it. He's more interested in shattering all of your self-confidence, shattering it so that you could be God-confident, so that you know that if he opened the Red Sea in front of you and Pharaoh's army was wiped out, that no enemy can face you, not because of something you did, but because of something that he is. Okay. You've got the secret now. You're not praying, paying, f- praying for peace. You're, you're not paying for... Uh, lack of pain, you're praying for purpose in the pain so that God can make something beautiful on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it then he broke it in pieces and said this is my body, then he broke it in pieces yeah, grab your stuff under your seat there, there's a little top thing you gotta peel off and that gives you the wafer and then there's the it's not real wine, don't get excited Then he broke it in pieces. He did not keep it intact. His body was broken for you. I'll I'll give you some instruction here in just a second. My body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant. The what? New covenant. Yeah, thanks. thanks. This cup is the new covenant. The new covenant. What about the old covenant? This cup fulfills all of the old covenant. Don't worry about the old covenant. This cup is the new covenant between God, this new connection, this new partnership between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, but he couldn't keep the blood in his body. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's mosaic until he comes back. You are announcing that his, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. You're announcing that God was doing something much bigger than Jesus and God was doing something much bigger than you. That it took his brokenness. Should we not also son and daughter of God be broken? Can we just say this as we, as we take the, oh, you guys do it. I don't want to spill. As you take that little wafer out, we're going to remember the Lord's body. Go ahead and partake of that. Can you do something? Because in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is at this place where he's like, my words are, God, can you take this cup away? That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Can you take this cup away from me? Then he says, not my will, but your will be done. Not my words, but your words. Can you say that? Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. As we take the cup, His father's words are, no, this cup is for you, actually. Your situation up against the Red Sea, no, this actually might be for you because he's collecting all of your enemies in one place to ambush them. And he just needs some bait to get them all out of the way at the same time. So they're not gonna be ghosts in the closet anymore. So you're not just gonna be dragged back to that old way over and over again because you could deal with them one at a time, but you can't deal with them all at once. Jesus can, Jesus can. Father, we uh, come and we just humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And we say, thank you for teaching us out of the word of God today. Thank you for telling us that you're going to do a new thing. What great hope that we have of all the people of the earth, Lord. We have hope, we have light. Father, we want to give up our words and give up our pursuits, give up our sloth, give up all of those things that keep us apart from you. Give up our loneliness, Lord God, and pursue you. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Tonight would be a holy consecration in Jesus' name. We just want to welcome you to go and get prayed for if you want to. It's just somebody who will probably just touch your shoulder. A couple people will pray for you and speak God's words over your life. And when they speak to you, take them as God's words and take your words that you've been speaking. You might be coming and saying like, here's my problem. And they're like, okay, leave your words here. Here are the words to go home with confess these words, prayer teams, lead them back into the scripture a lot tonight as well, which they do anyways, but lead them into the scriptures so that give people something to confess.